Okay. It's good to be back. Let's turn our Bibles this afternoon to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter number 9. It has been a joy to be here with you from my part. I hope it's been a help in some way to the church and to uh, every individual here. Uh, Just full disclosure, it's not any easier to transition from one message to another than it is to transition from eating downstairs to the pew that you're sitting on. And uh, anyway, I will do my best to be mindful of time. I know that uh, uh, the heart and the mind don't tolerate a whole lot more than the backside can tolerate. So uh, anyway, thank you for the songs and... uh, Again, all the kindness that you've shown to me, um, I'm grateful. I know maybe some are watching uh, on Facebook uh, who have prayed and are praying for the meeting, and it's hard to look at the camera, but I will. Thank you uh, for your prayers, and uh, more than anything, I'm grateful for the Lord. Um, The Word of God is His truth. It's not my truth. It's not Brother Oldfield's truth. It's not the truth of this church. We we, we want it to be that, the truth that we convey. convey but uh, the Word of God is absolute truth. And yes. we are able to sit under it, uh, bask in it, study it for ourselves, pray over it, learn of it. And I'm grateful for His Word and how it speaks to our hearts. I'm going to read a lot of scripture uh, this afternoon. It'll be a little different than I generally am geared towards when I preach. And uh, um, it may serve me better to, in the coming days, always remember that God says it better than I do. And there are a lot of scriptures in the book of Hebrews that I'm going to read this this afternoon and just uh, point out some of the riches of our Savior that uh, will be a help to us, I know in days to come as God's people, if not in this very hour, uh, but also to those uh, who may not know the Lord. These, this, this is who you are missing. This is what you uh, are not a partaker of as a child of God. The book of Hebrews is probably my favorite book in the Bible. And... Uh, Uh, some might say the book of Revelation, that would be one that's too hard for me. And the book of Hebrews is a hard book as well in a lot of of areas, a lot of teachings. I don't pretend to have a grasp on it, but it is my favorite book because of the presentation of the Savior that the writer gives to us. And there are things that we read of the Lord Jesus in this book that we do not find anywhere else. Uh, explanations, uh, Pastor mentioned this morning uh, in the Sunday school lesson, just uh, taking the new, going back to the old, bringing them together. And uh, if you want to understand a little better, I believe, of uh, the sacrifices, everything else that went on in the Old Testament, the priesthood, uh, the most concise way to learn that is to get in the book of Hebrews and see what. God was doing then that wasn't pertaining as much to Israel as it was to his son. And uh, it is in the book of Hebrews that I feel like the Lord helped me to understand some of those things anyway concerning 
uh, the priesthood of our Savior concerning what he's doing for us, what he has done for us, giving me an understanding of the sacrifice and what was going on on the Day of Atonement and other days when sacrifices were given for the sins of the people. Much of that is very uh, tidily packed into the book of Hebrews and will give us an understanding. I'm not going to try to make you understand all that, but I am going to read verses that pertain to things that... um, that God did for his people then and that he has done for us as his people now and uh, that he can reveal to you and make real to you if you are one of his people to be. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 9, just two verses. I'll let you keep your seat. That may not be wisdom on my part, but I'm doing it anyway. Hebrews chapter 9 and uh, just two verses. Verse number 27, verse number 28. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Father, thank you for the word of God again. Thank you for the gathering today and uh, throughout the weekend, the fellowship of your people Uh, the ministry of the Word of God, and Lord, I trust that you have uh, ministered through your Word uh, to us, something that will uh, stay with us in days to come that we can look back upon and and, uh, remember ways that you've spoken to us through your Word. I pray you'll give us some things to uh, take with us this afternoon, remind us of who you are, and what you've done, what you continue to do for us. And I pray for liberty in the service this afternoon to preach, to understand, to hear, to respond with our hearts to the Word of God. And help me to say what needs to be said only in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message this afternoon simply, Christ or Judgment. Christ or judgment. I've already said the book of Hebrews is my favorite book. It is a book like really no other book in the Bible. Uh, Some have had a hard time reconciling the author as Paul because it is written very different than some of his other writings, but I, I lean toward that Paul wrote the book, if that matters to you. And if you don't lean that way, then don't let that matter to you. Uh, but uh, it, it perfectly summarizes the Old Testament law, the purpose of it, the priesthood, uh, the sacrifices, and all of those things in relation to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. In this book, there are some of the richest and most glorious truths of the Savior presented to us. But along with our verse this afternoon that I've read, our two verses, it also records some of the most fearful warnings in all of the scriptures. This book, as you read it, can carry you from heights of worship where you see the Lord and magnify Him in your heart to reading across some of the warnings of judgment. It can take you to the depths of fear and reality. And I'm going to read many verses on both of those counts. So I I want you just to tune into the Word of God and I pray the Lord will will speak to us, but the glories of the Son of God that are revealed in this book 
Beginning at chapter 1 and verse number 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of power, Note these words, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That is a rich, rich verse. Carrying on, chapter number 2 and verse number 9. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. How rich is that? Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I could read that again and again and again. That is what he has done for my soul. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, and to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. This is what he does for his children. He runs to our side to help us when we are tempted and when we are struggling. Chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then of Jesus that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of this, because he knows our frame, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We continue with chapter 5, verse number 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Again, let these soak in. 
Chapter 7, verse 22, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death, but this man, this man Jesus, because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests, that is the high priest from among men, he needeth not daily as those to offer sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Chapter 9, verse number 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's a good truth, isn't it? For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's rich truth. Verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Notice verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, that's a good verse. Yes. Chapter 13 and verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever Forgive the pronunciation. I cannot say it any other way. Amen. And I say it to every truth that has just been presented to us of the priestly work of the Lord Jesus. 
What He did for us on the cross still speaks for us today because He is our ever-living High Priest. These are glorious truths. This is the Christ of the Bible. And when we speak of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the Gospel of the One that is written of in this book. What glorious truths of Christ are revealed unto us. But along with that, there are... Fearful truths about the judgment of God. There really is, um, it really is a one or the other. It really is Christ or judgment. It really is embracing all the riches of the Son of God. All of His work, all of His sacrifice that was done on our behalf. It is believing that, turning from our sins, or it is facing the same judgments that are written of in this book. Warnings. Chapter 2 and verse 1 of Hebrews. Forgive me for going back and forth, but it would have been disjointed to put these together. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, Because of all we know of Christ, therefore, because of what we've read of Him in the first chapter, therefore, because He has purged our sins by Himself, therefore, He says, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. There is no other salvation. There is no escape from judgment to come apart from the man Christ Jesus and faith in His finished work. This would probably be a good time to say something that I left off on Friday evening. All of the witnesses that God has given to us to declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, all of the witnesses He has put into your life are witnesses that will speak against you at the day of judgment if you do not receive them by faith in this life. Warnings. Chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's a really sharp warning. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. It's a strong warning. Chapter 4, verse 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. 
For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. These are strong verses. Chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Think about those words for a brief moment. No more sacrifice for sins. And friend, when we turn away from Christ and reject His goodness and reject His love and reject what He did for us on the cross of Calvary, there is no more sacrifice for sins. And He is giving here in this passage, as I interpret it, a sharp warning to those who would look to another system by which they could be cleansed. He is speaking to the Hebrews. No more sacrifice for sins, but, he said in verse 27, a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know them as said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Note this word, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Is there anything in our Bible that negates that truth? Absolutely not. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Chapter 12, verse number 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Think of some of these words. No place of repentance. No more sacrifice for sins. A fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And then we'll conclude our reading of these verses with a few more. Verse 25 of chapter number 12. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. 
whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. I will be honest, these are difficult verses. Some of them, the meaning is found in them. They are dealing with certain people. But these are hard verses to consider for one who is not a receiver of the blessings of God at the hand of His Son, Jesus Christ. They really lay out to us two alternatives. They lay out to us the riches of the Son of God and what He does for His people and what He has done for His people. Or the judgment that surely awaits for those who turn from Him, who reject Him, who deny His work, and will not believe upon Him. These two great subjects are brought together in our text right here. Chapter number 9, verse number 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Here is judgment. And here is the rich truth of salvation in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Notice with me, and I'll be brief in my outline and give you a thought upon her. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Notice the writer speaks of an appointment. We all have it. It is fixed. There is no changing it. You came into this world, and as sure as you came into this world, you're going to face death one day. It's an appointment every one of us are going to keep. The reason there is such a thing as death is because of sin. Yes. Death entered into the world by sin. I have passages written down here. Uh, the wages of sin is death, as we know. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are well aware of those truths. And as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, that is Adam, but death has passed upon all men now, for all men have sinned. It is that simple. One day I'm going to face the grave because of the reality of sin. And the wages of sin are death. Ezekiel chapter 18 tells us two different times, the soul that sinneth it shall surely die. And because of this, we are warned to flee from the wrath to come because we face death and then there is an afterward that he speaks of. There's the appointment. It is appointed unto men once to die. This is what we are faced with one day. And after this, the judgment. How many of you are terrified of dying today? You know, I find as people get older, most of the time at least they'll verbalize that they have accepted the fact that they're going to pass from this earth one day. It's the way of... Of all men, David said, I go the way of all the earth, and that's every one of us. And, and uh, you say today, well, I, I don't really fear death uh, so much. It's just a part of things. That's, that's good. I'm glad that you don't fear your appointment because whether you're afraid of it or not, it's coming. Yeah, that's right. 
I don't know that it was a fear of death that God first struck my heart with. But I do remember the first time that the God of heaven ever spoke to my heart. Now, I am getting ready to get on an airplane Tuesday and that was, that was the exact place that I was in the spring of 1999 as a 20-year-old. Uh, living in my sin with no concern for Christ, no concern for my own soul. And I will never forget as long as I live going down I-85 uh, into Georgia to Atlanta International Airport and the God of heaven speaking to my heart and just making it so real to me. He made it real. This plane you're going to get on, it could go down. And if it does, he didn't stop with death. You and your friends, you'll die and you'll go to hell, and rightfully so. And it wasn't so much the death, but it was the reality of who I was and what I was and the judgment that was ahead of me that gripped my heart and struck my heart. I'm glad I didn't die that day. I would have went to hell. I had not heard of a Savior. I did not know I could be forgiven. I just simply would have gone the way so many people do when they die. Straight to judgment and then to my eternal abode. Hell. Judgment. These things are real. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment we we all have an appointment after this. We are going to be faced before God with what we've done in our lives, what we've done with His Son, what sins we've indulged in and committed. And this is a fearful thing. Again, a verse of judgment in the book of Hebrews. I was sharing my testimony. Uh, I think it was the last time I flew up here. I'd sat next to a couple and... I didn't have a lot of discretion. I was telling them how God had dealt with my heart that I might get on a plane and it go down and, and I would die and go to hell and, and we were still sitting on the runway. <laughs> it dawned on me after na being naive has always been a good gift of mine, but listen, death is not the end, okay? I spoke to a, a young man on Main Street in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and, and uh, his concept of life and death was simply this. We live a little while, we do what we want to do, and then everything goes black. That's the end of it. It is appointed unto man wants to die, but after this, yeah. the judgment... There is an appointment, but that appointment is met with an afterward, after this. And let me say, after this is not a drop in the bucket to what is ahead of us. We are not living on earth eternally. If you do well, you have three score and ten years, seventy years. That's the days of man. And if you do real well, four score years. Well, that makes it sink in, doesn't it? Short life, it's yep. but a vapor. Yep. It's a brief life, but eternity. Eternity goes on forever. After this, after this. Some people think there is no after. There is an after. 
And the very fact that Christ rose from the dead and ascended up to heaven declares to the world there is an after this. And if there be no after, then that means if we deny it, we are denying that Christ is risen. And if He's not risen, then we are denying that He went to prepare a place for His people. And if He went to prepare not a place for us, we have absolutely no consolation this day in the fact that we are going to die one day. The words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. They are idle words that will do nothing for our hearts if there be no afterward. For that means He is not entered into heaven to plead our cause. He is not appearing in the presence of God for us. He is not intercessing or interceding for us. And it also means He has not obtained eternal redemption for us. For if there is no after, there is no eternal. And you know what that makes us today? It makes us who have said we have believed upon the Lord the fools of all fools. You sitting here listening to me, yelling at you, is the most foolish thing you could be doing on a Sunday afternoon. And me coming up this way just to yell at you, that is a colossal waste of my life. And so Paul was saying, if there be no after, if Christ be not risen, then we are of all men most miserable. Our faith is vain. Our preaching is vain. We are yet in our sins. And the very idea of believing is vanity of vanities. All men most miserable, but Christ is risen. And there is an afterward. And he that said, because I live, ye shall live also, did ascend on high. And he does give gifts unto men. And he does grant unto his people eternal life. It is real. There is an after. There is an after. And our Lord Jesus spoke with great warning about the afterward, giving a story of two men, a rich man and a beggar. And He tells of them both. And in life, one received great riches and blessing and the other one was sorrowful. He was sick. His life was full of trouble. And uh, the end of the story is that they both died. And Lazarus died. And after he died, what happened? The angels carried him to Abraham's bosom and the rich man died. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment. That is the afterward. And Jesus laid out the difference. It is faith in me or it is hell to come. Surely, as he spoke, it is true. He gave the great words to the thief on the cross. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, there is an afterward. An appointment. We will face death. And afterward, that is not the end, but the beginning of eternity. He speaks also of our accountability. The afterward, what's in the afterward? The judgment. That is when we stand before God who gave us life. He speaks of this judgment in multiple places. There are different facets to it, admittedly. That's not the message today, though. But what I know is this. Every last one of us when we step out of this life are going to go and give an account for what we have done, whether or not we have believed savingly upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what we have done in our lives even as we have believed upon Him. Our works will be put to the test. They will survive the fire or they will burn up in the fire as wood, hay, and stubble. 
There is an afterwards and there is a giving of judgment. And the judge of all the earth will do right. And in that day, if you have rejected Christ, you will find no favor with the Father. Don't deceive yourself. And then the question must be begged, if I'm going to die one day and I... I have this appointment and I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give account for myself. When is that day going to be? Who knows? Do you? You know what day that He who has set your appointment is going to call that time and call your number and say the appointed time's arrived and then you leave this world? Was it mentioned in the testimony earlier? I can't remember the name. It was, forgive me for that, but uh, a young person was kicked in the head with a horse. Was that it? And, and the fear of death and the fear of judgment gripped the heart of a young man. 14, 15, 13. Sorry. I did listen to the story. 13. That's young. How many of you are younger than 13 in here right now? Show me the hand. Anybody under 13, that would be 12, 11, 10. Okay. I, I started to raise my hand. That, that would be wrong. Two, two of you? Many of you are over 13? <laughs> I can't count all those. Amen. Death is no respecter of age. Your appointment has been set by the God of heaven who gave you life. And the day of your death is set by Him. And the Word of God tells us no man hath power over his spirit in the day of death. It is set by God. And so pray tell, would you consider for a moment the very God that you are saying no to is the very God who is kindly and graciously and long-sufferingly withholding your date? Does that not speak to your heart of His goodness and His kindness to you? giving you another day, giving me another day, another opportunity to preach and perhaps improve upon errors or failures or anything else that I may. What a God. He is long-suffering, patient, and kind. But listen, friend, we have a day. We'll stand before Him and we will give an account. And there is a day just as it was in the days of Noah when His long-suffering is done and He said it is time and He wraps things up for you and He wraps things up for me. There is an accounting. And we are going to give account to the Lord one day. Now, I'm really glad that this verse doesn't stand by itself because if I start looking at this too hard, I don't really feel great about myself. Does that mean every idle word as Jesus says that I have spoken? That doesn't sound good for that to be judged. The thoughts and intents of my heart when I stand before God, that accounting of myself, that doesn't sound good. I don't know how much alcohol I've drank in my life. That doesn't sound good to answer for that. The lies, the lack of love, the disrespect to my parents, all of the sins, if they were to stack up and be waiting for me when I stood before God, that is a fearful thing. And sinner friend, that is where you are at today. Every act of rebellion, 
Every disobedience, every transgression of the law, you shall die in your sins was the word. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and after this, the judgment. It does not stop there though. And so He teaches us of an atonement that's been made, an appeasement of the wrath of God and the judgment of God that would await for every one of us It's as though He is saying because, because every one of you are going to die, because every one of you are going to stand before God, because every one of you must give account of yourself. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And this speaks of the appeasement of the wrath of God on behalf of all those that will believe upon Him. And I am not going to recount all of my sins to you today, but I assure you that they are many. And if I were to answer for every one of them, there is not a hell deep enough or hot enough that the punishment of God and the judgment of God could be satisfied by me spending an eternity in it. I cannot pay for my sins. They are too many. I cannot even confess all of my sins. They are too many. I have forgotten more sins that I have committed than I remember. And so my only hope concerning my day when I stand before God is is found when I fix my eyes upon one who bore all of my sins in his body upon the tree. And that is the son of God. And my dear friend, you may feel that you are pressured to receive Christ. I kind of hope that you do feel pressured knowing the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. That is what Paul said. I want to be persuasive. I want you to know your need. But please understand me seeking for God to touch your heart and desiring for God to bring you to himself is because I know, number one, all that you are going to miss. You are going to miss judgment. You are going to miss hell. But I also know, thank God, all that you shall receive the riches of God's Son and the joy that He gives us in our heart. Eternal life, eternal bliss with Him, peace and happiness and a knowledge of true love like you will never know anywhere else in this world. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us and we see it in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have wanted from the time that I was saved other people to be saved also. And it has nothing to do with me not wanting them to go to hell as much as I want them to have the things that God has put into my heart. I've searched the world over in a small manner. I found no lasting satisfaction and I found no peace and I found no sin that I could commit that would satisfy the internal longings that I had to be satisfied by something around me. I would always have to go back to those wells again and again and again. But friend, when I looked upon the Lord Jesus, when God by grace brought me to see His Son It was like I had dipped my bucket down in a well and took a big drink of something that I I would never be thirsty again. I'm pretty sure I read that in my Bible somewhere. He's the living water. And if you will partake of Him, listen. 
I could tell you, and I wish shake you into reality. You're going to stand before God. There is a day you're going to answer for your sins. There is a hell for those who reject Christ. It's as simple as that. It is eternal punishment. And from hell, the lake of fire. It is it's not a it's not a joke. It's not a game. Listen. They don't want that for lost people. But oh, if, you, if we could just bottle up what we have as the people of God and hand you a bottle and say, drink it. Oh man. One man said, I think we'd put the alcohol companies out of business. Amen. The appeasing. Notice these words and I, I will wrap this up. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for Him. Who is this? Who are the them? Can you not see yourself in the them? Why are you telling yourself that you can't be the them? It doesn't put any limitation right here in this verse at least. And unto them that look for him, every last one who look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I marvel at how many times we, it, it just doesn't it, doesn't it display the natural enmity of the mind of man with God when we have a hard time receiving the promises of God but we can appropriate every verse of judgment against us but we can't somehow appropriate the gospel to our own account oh it's just natural enmity Jesus said that we could come and he bids us look unto him all the ends of the earth yes. North Carolina Oklahoma Washington Idaho look unto me and be ye saved this verse speaks of an appeasing. That is that the wrath of God that should fall upon me and should fall upon you has been satisfied when it fell upon Christ as He bled and died upon the cross. Christ was offered. How was He offered? We are told earlier in the chapter that He offered Himself by or through the eternal Spirit. He offered Himself up to pay our penalty. He was offered to bear the sins of many. To bear, that is, He bore. He bore our sins in His body upon the tree. Surely He hath borne our griefs, Isaiah said, and carried our sorrows. He bore the punishment of God. For God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. And friend, if you'll look to Him, He will spare you because He spared not His Son. And then I must remind you, He who bore our sins also is the same Lord who is coming back in flaming fire, yes. taking vengeance upon them that believe not God. I didn't write this book. I like making people happy. You may not believe that, but I, I, I do. I would pick other messages to leave you with. I like smiling. I like cutting up. We all do. God wrote this book. Yes. And He has given unto us warnings of what is ahead 
He has given unto us the riches of the gospel in the pages of this book. And He has declared unto us the glories of His Son. I cannot declare them, so I just tried to read them. I pray that you'll look to Him. Enter into the joy of the Lord here upon earth. Even before that eternal joy that awaits the people of God. If you're not saved, I just want you to know Jesus. He's worth knowing. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. Father, thank You for the Word of God. It, uh, It does at times, as we read it, remind us of where we would be without You, what we would face were it not for your kindness and mercy that you've shown to us in the Lord Jesus. And uh, I pray you might make these truths real in all of our hearts, whether lost or saved, even as, as your children, we have a day that's appointed. We don't know our time. Help us to make the best use of our days that it would glorify you um, the most. I ask you to draw upon all of our hearts to... Teach us what it means to have a reverential fear of You. Uh, I fear with myself I lack that, Lord, and I pray that You will help us as Your people to fix our eyes upon You. And uh, Lord, please draw upon the hearts of those who are lost. Help them to... um, Well, Lord, You said they would be willing in the day of Your power. And I pray you just might make them willing and, uh, Lord, make them desirous to come to you, to know you, and to know the pardon for sin that you offer. Thank you for this time. Lord, we commit these messages and thoughts into your hands. Do with them what you will in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. For the last few minutes, I've been praying.